Welcome to the Bold Dreamer podcast. I am your host, Christina, and I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I fully believe that people that have found this podcast find it for some some reason, and I really hope that the stories that you hear on the podcast resonate with you and that you find hope or inspiration or just a little fire in your belly from listening to these amazing women that I have on. And today's guest is so special and she's doing some pretty incredible work in the world. And her name is Jen Winokur and she is a divine feminine wealth coach is I guess how I would describe her and she really teaches women how to embody their divine worth to get to where they want in life and what a wealthy life means to them. Our conversation was so good and um, I kind of felt personally invested in it as well because I feel like what she's doing is maybe the last piece to my puzzle um, in my life and business and and hardships I've endured with money and and I've been pretty transparent about it and she's just she's so wonderful and I really think there are some amazing takeaways for anybody that listens to this about how to channel the idea of making money without necessarily working harder. You know, we're very much in the mindset. You have to hustle. You have to be miserable. You have to be working 26 hours, eight days a week to make a good living. And she is really fighting that status quo. And it's so fascinating to listen to her and her story and how she ended up teaching what she's teaching. And she's just helping so many women along the way. Um, So I'm so glad that you're here to listen to the conversation. So you know the drill, grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea or lemon water and sit at the table with us and just get really inspired. I hope And I think you're going to have some pretty incredible takeaways from this episode. So let's get into it. Okay, so I'm here with Jennifer and I'm so excited that we found the time to sit down with each other. Um, And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's always so fun to do podcasts with friends who are also colleagues, but it just makes the conversation, I think, so much deeper, richer, and more vulnerable and just juicy all in all. I could not agree more, especially because there's just like little snippets in there that you're like, oh, I know this happened. Like, tell me more (laughs) about it. Um, So I do start every episode. I'm not sure if you're a coffee drinker or not, but... um, Okay. Well, this opens up to a different type of question. So I ask everybody, what is your favorite way to take your coffee? And if you don't drink coffee, what do you do in the morning instead? You know, I have been, I'm a tea drinker 
And when I lived in Seattle recently for 10 years, I kept saying I was the only person in Seattle that didn't drink coffee. But um, I've been trying to wean myself off of caffeine. So before I used to drink tea first thing in the morning, but now lately I've been getting into doing a gratitude practice every morning. And what does that look like? Yeah. If you don't mind sharing. No, I'd love to share. It's simply just the moment I kind of have that like consciousness of I'm awake. I immediately go to just listing a few things that I'm grateful for. Cause I think I'll speak for myself, but I also can, I know it's true for a lot of people is that we're so accustomed in the world to immediately to default to, I'm so tired or I have so much to do today. Like we immediately, the second we're awake, we drop into this lack mentality. And so if we can start or if I can start my day off being grateful and not allowing my brain to default to negativity, lack, scarcity, anything like that, I want to retrain my brain. And so I just start off the moment I am awake, what I'm grateful for. Uh, do you physically write that down? I don't. Like, do you put yeah, it in a, I don't. It's still, I'm still in that like, like sleepy stupor. I'm still under the covers and warm. It's just like, I just want to make sure the first thoughts of my day are heading in the right direction. I was going to say, I wonder if that's even more powerful because you're still like in that mm-hmm. in-between consciousness and dream mm-hmm. state. You know, I know you're into like the subconscious work and stuff, but if that really does like um, thinking it as opposed to like stopping, getting a journal, getting a pen is like a full rewire, you know, like you said, start the day on a completely clean and positive. No, absolutely. It's so powerful when you can do visualizations or anything like that when you're falling asleep. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. So no coffee, but gratitude. I'll allow it. (laughs) I'm actually supposed to be weaning myself off coffee and I'm having a very hard time. So maybe I'll start implementing that in the morning and see if it helps. It's hard. It really is hard, especially – I don't even think it's the caffeine, honestly, that's the hard part. It's just the act of having a ritual and that's why I wanted to replace yes. it with another ritual. Um, yeah, I think it's more a ritual it, for me than anything. Same. It's such a ritual for me too. And so I'm, I've made it to half calf. That's good. Which is, it is, it is. And it's only been a few weeks. So I've made it to half calf. And, but what I've started doing to just like be more present with it, because um, it's actually a naturopathic doctor. She's like, okay, your nervous system is like on fire. Mm. Like you have to stop the caffeine. Mm-hmm. You got to stop the coffee, especially. Um And so what I've started doing, I've made it to half calf. She's like, you know, wean yourself appropriately, but I've started using the French press just because it has to be made slower. Um, and it just kind of adds to like the ritual. So then maybe, you know, when it's time to wean off the coffee, I you can put, you know, whatever herbs or anything that you like in that, um, uh, oh my God, why did I just forget the name of it? In the French press. And it's it's just the act of doing it in the sure. morning, like coming downstairs and doing it. So um, I love that. Everybody might hear a coughing dog in the back. She's fine. But <laughs> she's, 
she's coughing. <laughs> yeah, she's okay, but we are we are in the room with them right now. Um so I would love in so I know what you do. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we've not ever just the two of us gotten super, super deep into mm-hmm. it. So I'd love to start with you just telling everybody what it is that you do. And then we can kind of get into how you got there. And um, I know you said you've never really talked about it before, but I would love to hear like the process Mm -hmm. and and the struggle of it all. So um, yeah, how in your words, what, what do you do? Yeah, I guide women to deeper confidence, self worth, and wealth um, within themselves and outside of themselves. And what I mean by that is that. At the root of the word wealth is uh, the meaning well, whole, and significantly valuable. And so when we really learn how to embody the abundance that we are, then we automatically magnetize physical wealth. So it's an internal process to magnetize wealth for us to have the outcome of greater financial wealth as well. My approach is a bit different um, as a spiritual and wealth empowerment coach is that I uh, do this by infusing the sacred feminine into our practices. So you won't hear me say anything around having money blocks. Um, I don't really believe in that. I think there are aspects of ourselves that need more love and need to be seen, but we don't have blocks that need to be overcome. Um, I won't say that we need to heal something within ourselves because we are not sick. We are not broken. We are whole and well, just like the the word wealth. Um, I don't say that we need to make money either. The traditional form of wealth is this struggle and pushing and grinding and making something happen where the sacred feminine way is to magnetize and to have ease and flow and attract. So there are some approaches to the traditional form of creating wealth that um, I teach quite differently. So um, yeah, that is it in a nutshell. Uh, Obviously, we'll dive deeper into that. I like I have so I have so many questions. <laughs> so I guess while we're while we're on the topic, um, what? Do, well, actually, you know what? No, no, no. I want to hear the story of how you got here because I think that will be pertinent mm-hmm. to how you work with these women. Yeah. Um, I think there's so much power in our own stories, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's super relevant to what you've discovered along the way. So. Um, yeah, like what, where did your background start and how did it kind of end up here? And anything, anything you want to share? Like if you, I know there was a time that you were a little resistant to it Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I'd love to just for you to break that down. Yeah, absolutely. I now feel like I was born into this role Um, When I look at the woman that came before me, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my mother, um, who all were really gifted women, um, but struggled with low self-worth and achieved quite some pretty big significant things, but some of their dreams were still left burning in their hearts before they took their last breaths. 
And I know that is the truth and what has happened with so many women that have come before us and who are listening to this right now. And when I began to move transition from a young adult into adult, um, I was following the same footsteps of my maternal grandmother, mother, great grandmother. I really struggled with low self-worth and um, entered into a few abusive relationships that took me to probably my lowest point of my life um, where I had lost contact with all my friends, my family. I was completely dependent on um, the person that I was dating who was emotionally abusive. Um I even had quit my job per his encouragement. So I was really, I was financially dependent on him, emotionally dependent, like all the ways that I could be, um, and felt really, really isolated in that. And there was a moment, there were a few moments where I kept getting the nudge, like, you're meant for more than this. You're meant for more than this. But I just didn't have the courage or the self-worth to leave the relationship. Um, And there was a point where we were driving down a street on a road trip. And he freaked out because I had asked him if he had made a wrong turn. And on the side of the road, he threatened to leave me there. Um. Just keep in mind, he was driving my car and the bank account had my money in it. He didn't like, and he's like, I'm going to leave you on the side of the road. I'm going to take everything and go. And I just was like, stood there on the side of the road, just crying like, oh my gosh, he's going to leave me. Um, And I heard that voice again, you are meant for more. And that time I believed it. I felt something shift within me. And I decided in that moment that I was no longer going to allow low self-worth to keep me where I was. And I thought I was destined to be there forever. I didn't think that there was a way out of this. And in that moment I that I made that decision, like, I'm going to no longer be this low self-worth, scarce, lack-minded woman I am going to stand in my truth. I'm going to stand in my power. I am a worthy woman. I am a wealthy woman. The second I claimed that for myself, I got all these downloads as to how to get out of that relationship. And I immediately implemented them and got out of it within, I mean, it was like within a couple months, I had found a new job. I found an apartment. I had my own bank account. I fixed my relationship with my friends and family like super, super fast. I really like just followed all those intuitive hits. And once I established kind of that safe place for me, um, I continue to follow all the nudges that were guiding me forward to my dreams and my desires. But there was a lot of really deep work that also had to happen. I had to learn how to trust myself. Again, I had to learn how to trust the divine. I had to learn how to trust money. And I call that now the trinity of transformation because 
all of those three things actually mirror ourselves. I am the divine. The money mirrors aspects of myself. And we'll go into that, you know, in more detail later. But the trinity of transformation is learning how to trust all three. And I had to revisit those dark moments and those dark places, which wasn't easy, but I had to examine it and really look at that closely and see how held I was, how resourceful I was, how money was always there for me, even when I didn't have it, even when I paid my last $4 at the grocery store for a box of tampons, money was still there for me because I ended up having it again. So all of that was a huge process for me to get to where I was, to where I am today. Within that work, while I was going inward and really transforming myself and my relationship with the divine, with money, with my family and friends, um, I mean, the magnetism was like unreal. Um, as soon as I started to do that deep inner work, I became the youngest executive in my field. I worked with Jane Goodall. I worked with very well-known billionaires. Um, I was on NPR, the New York Times, like all of the things, like incredible, amazing, amazing things. And that opened up um, about 20 years in um, a field learning about wealth and money, but also integrating the spiritual aspect of myself that I was so passionate about. And I got to learn for 20 years from the wealthiest and most soul-centered people on the planet what makes somebody truly wealthy, um, how to be heart-centered, soul-centered, and have wealth and make impact with your wealth. I learned all of these really great hidden secrets and lessons that most people don't get to learn. And um, towards the end of my career, I decided I actually wanted to start a business. And in that process, it wasn't coaching. Actually, it was something entirely different. And I was struggling a little bit to get this business off the ground. And I looked around and I saw so many incredible women um, around me, friends that were doing these amazing things, writing books, starting their own businesses, starting nonprofits. And I said, what if we all got together intentionally every month and we supported each other through our dreams? And I thought maybe only like three or four people would show up. And it grew to like 20-something uh, the first month. And then from there up to like 500 women, like it just exploded. And I realized, oh my gosh, like women really need support. They want community. They need support um, around their dreams. And I kind of fell into coaching, uh, leading this group. And one of my friends pointed out, you know, you light up so much more when you're coaching people than you're when you're talking about the business. I'm like, you know, you're absolutely right. So then I went and um, went and got certified as a coach. I also got trained for three years um, at a seminary school studying the sacred feminine um, and became a spiritual director. 
um, and then combined all of the lessons that I learned over the years through my career from wealth into this. Initially, like you pointed out, I was just going to focus on self-worth and women and empowering them. And I realized that there was a component of my life that I wasn't integrating into my coaching that could be so transformative um, for individuals and collectively as women and as our entire planet. When soul-centered women have wealth, we can change the world. And I realized I wasn't integrating this incredible opportunity into my coaching. And so it's just been more recently that I've begun to weave in the wealth piece. And honestly, even with all that work around wealth, there was a part of me that was a little embarrassed or hesitant to weave in the wealth part um, for fear of what people would say. Why is she teaching about this? Oh my gosh, this is so superficial. And it took me a few months to really work through that, to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what people say. This is needed right now. And I don't know of any other women really teaching about sacred feminine and wealth together. And that is the paradigm shift that we are beginning to see in this world. And this is necessary. This is why I am here. And I would be doing a disservice to myself, to the women who came before me, who paved a path for me to get to where I am, for the women who are here and the girls that are rising up to be women as well. And so I just boldly stepped into this role and am now feeling so excited and on fire with this mission. Oh my God. That is amazing. I did not know that whole, 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 whole story. I knew like the surface level of it and it makes it all make even more sense. Like how you have, I mean, literally your entire life has been like slowly cultivating this for you. Like, I feel like that feeling that you got when your boyfriend was like, get out, you know, I'm going to leave you here was that first thing that was like, all right, we're going to take her all the way. And, um, I actually just recorded a solo episode and, and I touched briefly, it's a short episode, but I touched briefly on, like the power of knowing and feeling when you're aligned mm-hmm. and how that feeling inside of you, it, it it's so hard to explain. And maybe you're a little more eloquent than I am with it, but it's like that little nudge, like you were saying. And if you keep following those nudges, you really, really end up in some magical places. Like you said, like you didn't, this wasn't the end goal, mm-hmm. but now it's like, you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah. And a lot of time those nudges are leading you to a place that you just have to like almost trust blindly Mm -hmm. that every decision you're making is taking you there. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly don't think that we necessarily have to be aligned to be in tune with that intuition because I definitely wasn't aligned standing on the side Mm -hmm. of the road in an emotionally abusive relationship crying, hoping that he wouldn't take my car. Um, I just think, I think it's a testament to how powerful our intuition is despite where we are. I think some of the um, lessons that we've learned around wealth have been 
pretty harmful because we feel like we have to be perfect. We have to be aligned. We have to be healed. We have to have overcome our blocks. We have to have all this pressure that we put on ourselves as women to, and then once we do that, then we can hear our inner voice. Then we can hear our intuition. Then we can be guided. I believe our intuition is there the entire time, whether we're aligned or not. And we need to trust that. I mean, we're powerful regardless of where we stand in our lives. Um, And so if there's anybody that's listening, feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm so unaligned right now. I have made all these choices that are quote unquote bad. Um, I'm off the path, whatever that path is, whoever, like, who defines what path you're supposed to be on? Um, you, (laughs) you are still aligned in this moment because you were born whole, you were born with this power and you still have it regardless of where you stand in your life right now. Yeah. For me, um, I love that, that you don't have to be fully healed and fully aligned because like, like you said, that intuition is always Mm -hmm. there it's like, it's that first time listening to it that is yeah. really, really hard because you're not quite sure why you're being pulled to do this thing yeah. that you're being pulled to do. Or um, the way that I really know it's like intuition and not emotion for me because I also am like quite impulsive. <laughs> and um, like if I get emotional about something, I'm like, oh, I need to go do this or I need to go do this. But like intuition is just like, this nagging Mm. like I have to Mm -hmm. I have to and like you almost can't stop thinking about it and it is it's like a full body feeling yeah of it's it's hard to describe but once you drop into it once it's like oh okay like this is what mine feels like because I think it will feel different for Mm -hmm. everybody for me, I get super excited. I feel like super energized, full steam ahead, have no idea why I'm doing what I'm doing, but I know I have to do it. Yeah. You know, for other people, it might be um, just like a feeling in your stomach, like as simple as like a tickle. Like sometimes if it's if it's something bad for me with intuition, like I feel it right at the top of my stomach, like almost like an anxious feeling. Um So I'd love to hear more about how you help people recognize that part of themselves. Because if if we're not working with, you know, people that are on the journey Mm -hmm. per se, um, you know, a lot of people in this space are, are, oh, like I'm energetically healing this way. And like you said, the blocks and I'm not ready to call in what I want because I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do know that this crowd that listens to this podcast is very interested in money. <laughs> I had a um, I had a financial coach on one of my very first episodes, and people were like, "Yes, like this is what I need to hear." So I would love to hear if you have like you said that you learned some secrets. If like, what are you willing to give up? And um, kind of almost. I think something that's really powerful to hear too is like recurring patterns that you see Mm, um, mm -hmm. where it's kind of the same thing over and over. And then we're, we're all struggling with that, that wealth um, 
And, and it doesn't help. Wealth is a very taboo topic to a lot of people. It feels yucky to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just recently been like, I want to be rich. And I've started to get more vocal about it. I mean, like, I I'm not it. right now. Well, you are I'm right not now. right now. You are. That's <laughs> the thing is that first, the first thing is embodying the abundance that we are. You are well. You yes. are whole. You I, are significantly valuable. That is the definition of wealth. You already are wealthy. Yes. So claiming that is actually the first step. Okay. I'm so wealthy. Yes, you are. As I could not relate to anything more that you said that like money shows up for me. Like I feel very lucky in money. Like I can go from thousands to zero, from thousands to zero, but anytime I need it, it shows up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting, and it, it, that's pretty common with like a startup business too, because it's like so much is getting invested. Only in. if you expect it to. Money meets us at Tell our me expectation. More. So if we expect in a startup for it to fluctuate, it will. If we don't expect it to fluctuate, it won't. It really meets us where we are. Damn. Okay. I want to hear <laughs> like from the first question what you see, because I feel like there's just so much to be learned, even for myself. Yeah. Who I, I, would, I would say I'm fairly aligned and evolved in in the energetic, but there's always so much to learn. So I'd love to hear like what you see over and over, the secrets you can divulge. Yeah. Well, uh, there's so much to unpack here. So we'll have to do like a part one, part two, part three, and then, you know, on and on and on. Um, But I'll say the commonality, I'll start at the commonality that I saw when I took a step back from working with all the people that I did. Um, There was a theme and there were four things that really stood out to me. One is that everyone had already done deep inner work on themselves. And again, I'm not suggesting that it's healing or anything like that, but coming to um, a reckoning or um, connecting with the deep essence of who they are, they recognize that a lot of the external things didn't identify who they were. They knew who they were. Um, They knew that they were sacred, divinely worthy, infinitely valuable. They knew all of those things about themselves. They also trusted themselves. They also trusted Mm -hmm. that everything was always working out for them. There was this deep rooted trust and they also had a good relationship with money. And that might be easy to say like, oh, well, of course they did. They were billionaires. They had a good relationship with money before they ever had any. That was something that stood out to me. So again, even when I when I stood there on the side of the road and I had nothing, I decided then I was going to have a good relationship with money. It was later that money showed up, but I started to have the good relationship with it first. Hear about, I'm a huge fan of Oprah and Oprah has said something similar that she had a good relationship with money before she even had any. And she realized in the moment that she worked for free in her dad's uh, barber shop or some shop it was, that she had a good relationship with money. 
those are the things that we need to be paying attention to. These are these are people that are giving us the secrets right there. It's not something where we have to be like working hard and grinding and all of this all of this stuff. It's like super super simple. It's we've had a sacred relationship with ourselves and a sacred relationship with money. We trusted ourselves, we trusted money. Period. It's really that that simple. It sounds simple. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, I mean, it, it. I didn't say that it's necessarily like easy getting there, but it is a simple, simple process. Concept. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I'd also say that I see four things that come up the most with the clients that I work on, and I call them the big four. It's inadequacy, fear, self-doubt, and shame that come up. Hmm. Underneath all of that is unworthiness, though. Unworthiness kind of triggers those other other um, aspects of ourselves. And again, it's not something that needs to be overcome, but I think it's something that needs to be seen um, and voiced, giving it a voice. I also see that a lot of people and uh, well-meaning coaches kind of stop at um, the confidence. We think that we need to have confidence. And so the goal from transcending the inadequacy, the unworthiness, the shame, the fear, all of that is confidence. And I think that we're doing ourselves a disservice if we stop there. What we want is actually divine worth. The four stages of worthiness is low self-worth, deservingness, confidence, and divine worth. When we stop at confidence, we're putting our faith in what we do and not who we are. If we're confident in our ability to be a good entrepreneur, a good businesswoman, and we take our clients or the job away, what happens? Our confidence plummets. But if we become confident in who we are, our sacred, holy, divine selves, then we can transcend anything that happens to us externally. We become ultimately super, super powerful because we know who we are. We're sitting in our truth. So we want to actually move past confidence into divine worth. So those stages are also a part of this process too. Wow. I love that because I feel like when we get to be in, I literally just talked about this too on my little solo (laughs) episode. When we get to confidence, we feel, um, we feel more powerful Mm -hmm. because, and like, for example, for me right now, that's, I have really gotten better at setting boundaries. Um, and in those boundaries has like a different form of confidence has kind of, I guess, taken over me in the way that you know, a lot of people, because I'm a product-based business, Mm -hmm. right? So I get reached out all the time from people like, oh, I want free this. And can you give me free that? I'll trade you for Mm -hmm. this. And for a really long time, I'd bend over backwards to um, like appease these people and kind of get on their good side and hope that it would help me out. And 
in the last few months, I uh, I really have started to set more boundaries. And it's like, no, what I'm doing is worth something. Mm-hmm. And the products I've created are worth something. And maybe that falls a little bit in like divine worth. Um, I don't think I'm fully there yet, I'll say. Um, but it has made me more confident in what I'm doing and putting out into the world. Mm-hmm. And all of that to say, when you reach that level with confidence, you kind of feel like you're done. Right. But you're saying yeah. you're not You're done. not done. Confident. Not you do well. what you're in the confidence phase of setting boundaries. The divinely worthy woman holds the vibration that she is worthy. And so those experiences don't show up. So she doesn't even have to verbally set boundaries. Her vibration sets the boundary. Okay. So how do we get to divinely worthy? Yeah. Well, how do you get it there? is moving through those four stages, depending where you are on you are. that, that space is moving through the low self-worth to finally feeling like you're deserving of the desires that you have to then building up your confidence to move into the divinely worthy space is really that sacred feminine. All the practices that we do within my programs is really connecting to the essence of who you are. That's deep inner work. Um, and yeah, it takes time. Um, and so many people nowadays don't like to hear that because we are in the race of getting these quick fixes, but it is so beautiful and so magical and powerful when you devote six months, which is the typical containers time for, for working with me, six months to yourself. Sick, devoting six months to your worthiness, to your sacred self, to your wealth is so powerful. So yeah, it does take time, but it is, it is all about infusing the sacred feminine and connecting with that part of your essence to get to that part of being that magnetic. Yeah. And honestly, six months in the grand scheme to change your entire life is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a multi-layered process. I mean, it is emotional. It's mindset. It's unconscious. It's spiritual. It's behavioral. It's all of the things. Um, And that takes some time. Um, What would you say, like, I'm, I'm so curious, people that you've worked with, when they come to you at whatever stage they're at, what are some of the like transformations that you've seen people make? And, um, does it ever feel like you're done? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's like, okay, like my six months is up, but, um, you're not quite done. Yeah. So is there like a marker where you'd be like, okay, you're definitely like as high and um, advanced as you can get in this practice? Or is it like a never ending? But when you've like reached that level that everybody's trying to reach, what does that look like? Or what does that feel like? I think it really depends on the person. I definitely have clients that renew, um, and I've worked with for a long period of time. 
But I think we can't look at it as um, there's this ultimate goal. I mean, there might be a financial goal that's attached to it, of course, but we're constantly evolving and there isn't um, this destination that we're trying to get to. In fact, what we discover within the sacred feminine way is that actually what we're craving is to enjoy the journey of it all and not necessarily the destination. And so if we can continue to support each other in this sacred community and uplift each other, yeah, we'll continue to evolve and grow together. It doesn't mean that we haven't reached our goals. We're reaching our, you know, goals that we've set with our, um, some with our minds, some with our souls, some with our hearts. Um, but we're also making sure that we just continually evolve um, and feel fulfilled and grounded in the process of it all. Um, most of the women that come to me are coming to me with uh, confidence issues or um being stuck at a certain income level or not able to reach their financial goals or they have inconsistent, you know, the fast, uh, the feast or famine um, cycles that they're falling into. Um, so all those types of scenarios are quite common when women come to me and all of them um, have greater self-confidence, divine worth. They find their voice. They are able to speak up. They're able to ask for what they need. So interesting. So many of the women, their relationships improve and that's not what they even came to me for. Um, the way they care for themselves, their bodies improve and that's not what they came here for. It's because they're now embodying the abundance that they are. And that ripple effect extends to all things. Um, all the women, um, I have a 90% success rate and that every single one has hit multiple six figures after working with me. Um, so that's a very common outcome as well. Um, but I also find that even though money is what brings people to me, after our work together, they say actually the best thing that came out of this is that I now feel so good in my own skin. I now feel empowered. Mm. I now feel unshakable. I now feel magnetic, enchanting, captivating, like all these beautiful words. I mean, we don't hear women call each other those words. We don't hear ourselves use those words to describe ourselves. I think that's the magic of this work. That is incredible that you have like facilitated this space for people um, because, you know, there's, I think, especially now, I don't want to say there's like a stigma against coaches, but there's people that call themselves coaches mm -hmm. that are just like in it for their own money. Mm -hmm. like, what does working with you look like? I mean, it sounds like these people are... are you're working with them very closely for them to be saying things like that at the end of it. And like, that just goes to show like how magical you are. Oh. Too. <laughs> well, I, but truly, yeah, I, 
I have kind of um, a similar container for the six-month program that I have, but I obviously it's unique to each one. Like there's there are these tenants that hold the container together around obviously the four stages of worthiness, the trinity of transformation. There are some things that are absolutely present within my containers, but we all are so beautifully unique. And so I have so many different tools that I use based on where I'm feeling led in the moment, what's showing up, who that person is, where they want to go. Um, so it, yeah, there is there is some flexibility to that. But again, going back to the sacred feminine, that is that is the way is just to do it naturally and intuitively. Um, again, with still some structures within it, but um, there's a lot of beautiful space for us to sit with things as long as we need to sit with them instead of racing through them. Um, or we might be able to go through something really quickly and then pause on something else. It really depends. But um, I'm in the process of creating a group program, which is essentially my six-month container um, synthesized into eight weeks, um, where there is the sacred community of women coming together, learning similar things, obviously not quite as many of the touch points as you would get to work with me individually, but still a great opportunity to, um, dive into this work. If you didn't have the time or whatever that might be the, you know, the desire to work for six months together. So that is, um, going to be launched soon. And I'm got a wait list, um, of women that are, yeah. So, um, with this just being kind of like, I mean, you obviously, I don't even, knack isn't even the right word for it. Like this is very much like soul led for you. Um, it's not the same as like, oh, I'm just good at this. Like this is very like what you should and need to be doing um, because you it's it's a business though still mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, did you, were you, I guess at this point, like aligned, we'll use that word, um, and in all the steps to getting there or did you have any trouble after you started the business? Um, I know you were back and forth a little bit on like what exactly you wanted to mm-hmm. offer, um, how you were going to offer it, but, or did it just kind of flow for you or did you really have like the, Oh God, like I'm really slow. Like this isn't going to work. And, and what did navigating through that like look like? Cause I think we could all relate to that. Yeah. Really. I definitely hit some bumps, some external bumps, some internal bumps, um, which really the external bumps mirrored my internal bumps. <laughs> Funny how that happens. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I thought I was going to be going down this like self-worth path and around divine worth as well. And so as I mentioned earlier, like when I realized that I was feeling led to integrate the wealth piece, it felt 
it felt really uncomfortable for me. Um, again, there was some shame and some of my own things that I had to work through. And I will say this too, like I am a coach who is completely transparent that I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. We all have things to work on. I don't want my Instagram page to look like I've, you know, that I have this perfect life. Um, I still have thoughts that pop in my head of, oh my gosh, what if you lose it all? What if people think you're shallow? Like those things still come up for me. Here's the thing with the billionaires that I learned from, they too still hear those thoughts. They just don't believe them. They have the tools. They're like, okay, I hear that. There's something that needs to be heard. There's something that needs to be seen, but they don't believe the thoughts. And so that has empowered me to not like just push those thoughts away of like, oh, I need to be this perfect coach. I don't have those thoughts. No, I I still do. Um, and so I had to work through them um, and bring some love and compassion to those areas. There is a 20-something-year-old uh, young, younger version of me within me that still felt shameful for being in that relationship, for getting – allowing my funds to go so low that I only had $4 left to my name and I had to spend it on tampons. I carried a lot of shame around that. I didn't want anyone to know that. And now here I am speaking publicly about that. So I had to give that version of myself a lot of compassion and love knowing that she was doing the best that she could with the low self-worth that she had, with the situation that she was in, and look at how resourceful she was because she got me to where I am today. And I love her for that. But I had to learn how to love her and not shame her for making the decisions that Mm. she did. Um, I don't know where I I was. I kind of went off on her. That's okay. I'm like, I'm a rambler. I'm like, totally enamored with your story so um we were oh, yeah, talking the about uh, yeah the bump yeah yeah and but I, I feel like the business aspect because I was a young executive so I was like pretty high up really early mm-hmm. um in my life that I had the business thing down but I hadn't run a coaching business. So there was a part of me that's like, oh yeah, I know business. But the inner critic inside of me was like, but you don't know coaching business. That's a little bit different. You're going to, you know, make a mistake here. What if you do that here? So um, I still had to work through that. Um, And then there were, because it was a, a, you know, a new industry that I was in, I fell into the, you should do things a certain way. And Mm -hmm. then it was more recently that I really felt led to go the sacred feminine path that I was like, no, my magic is in not doing it the way everybody is doing it. And that was a pivotal moment for me. It's because why do we need the same thing over and over? And you're, your um 
approach to it, I feel like is so special. And, uh, you know, you hear a lot that the energy of money is very masculine. The energy of like work, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. Like if you, that's something I struggle with. Yeah. Like if you're not struggling and hustling, then you're going to be. Broke. Yeah. I want to speak to like, that too. I, I'm so, so glad please. that you brought that up because I hear that too all the time that making money, wealth, finances is a masculine energy thing. And I couldn't disagree more, actually. Love that. Um, again, when we look at the root of the word wealth, it's whole, well, significantly valuable. Women, we are those things. And I know when we're talking about sacred feminine and masculine energy, that isn't necessarily like our human gender. But the sacred feminine is those things. We create wealth by being, by birthing ideas, by being in flow. We create it by our, through our intuition. That is sacred feminine. And so I think we need to redefine and relook at wealth um, because it isn't just a masculine energy thing. In fact, because we've been overutilizing the masculine energy, we are harming our planet. We are harming ourselves. We're harming our earth. We're harming people who, um, indigenous peoples, people of color, you know, we're harming so many people for the sake of money. That is not the sacred feminine way. The sacred feminine way is going to honor all people in our decisions around wealth. We're going to use our wealth to impact the world positively while empowering ourselves to live comfortably. The sacred feminine way isn't an either or. It is being able to have it all. Yeah. And it's like not this energy of, I mean, who comes to mind is like Jeffrey Bezos, right? Like, billions and billions and billions and just like sitting on them, like sitting on the money and not using it for, I mean, I don't know what he does. I, this is just in my head, not using it for anything good, like tax loopholes and all this stuff where you're saying like, yes, like we can have that money, mm -hmm. but it's coming from a different place and it's going to be channeled in a different way. And it's when all these divine worthy beings have all this money that can literally shift because it's coming it's coming and being made from a different place. Yeah, just imagine women soul-centered women taking wealth from the harmful paradigm and pooling it into this new paradigm. Uh, like just that like literally picture that. Pulls. Like that is what we are in the process of. And even circling back to Jeff Bezos, I don't know him personally. Um, I Just believe that everything has a purpose and that having him exist and show us this like very masculine way of making money is inspiring us women to create wealth in a different way. So maybe his purpose is to actually inspire us to do things differently. Um, yeah. So I've, it's, it's no secret that I love Taylor Swift, <laughs> but, but 
all of that to say, I think part of my infatuation with this woman is that she really shed the layers of doing things the way people told her to do it. She shows up as herself, whatever that looks like. Yes, she's like a little bit of a capitalist queen. Like, got it. We don't need eight colors of every album that's coming out. I will even say that. But what she's doing is like she's writing about her life story. Mm -hmm. She is showing up as she is. Like, if you've seen her shows as of late, like, yeah, they're choreographed, but she's like laughing and like having fun and she's now on the cusp of being a billionaire (laughs) and years ago when she was doing it the right way everybody hated her Mm -hmm. and you know she was struggling and I feel like in her older age she's like in her mid-30s now and I feel like she's really coming to her Mm -hmm. own and I'm like I want to be that not a musician and an artist, but like showing up, like she's quirky and like, you know, is like a cat lady and open about it and, and loves the things that she loves and, and has like almost started like poking fun at herself for some Mm -hmm. of it, but in like an empowering Mm way and in that authenticity and showing up in the way that was, I believe is a lot more feminine energy. Like, yes, like I said, there's the 8 million CDs in every color that we don't necessarily need. I'm sure that's like her team or whatever. But her as a person, she, I feel like is embodying what you're talking about. It's like she herself as she is, is worthy. And it's just like, she's on top of the world right now. And I think part of my infatuation with her as an artist and a person is because damn, like I want to show up as me and feel that abundant and not feel like I have to hide parts of myself. And that's something I've really been working on lately. Like I'm quirky and weird and I have a mouth of a sailor and I just have to like own it. (laughs) And that's just me. Um, And when you're showing up as yourself, period, I feel like is when stuff really starts to shift. Preach it. That is, you just encapsulated exactly what a divinely worthy woman is. Yes. Taylor Swift Swift. is a divinely worthy woman. She is magnetic. She is captivating. She is enchanting. And why? Because she is herself and she doesn't give a, you know what? She doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) I'll say it (laughs) because that's in my bones. Um, I love it. Um, I have two more questions for you. I do want to touch on because I feel like this is, so this is a, I guess like part of my shadow. Okay. I don't really like get into personal stuff on the, on the podcast because I do like it to like reach the masses, but I do know a lot of other business owners that, struggle with what I'm struggling with right now. So I'm going to be very transparent about it. And I'd love your take on it because you had mentioned it before that it's like a mindset. So um, my business right now is product-based and I have, I had a bakery first and now I'm doing this product-based business, both that have done over six figures. Bakery was like well into the multiple six figures. Um, 
But so like on paper, that's like, wow, you are so successful, right? But in that, with the bakery, um, I mean, you're selling $3 cupcakes. The most expensive thing I sold was $4. So it was like, there was a lot of money coming in, but there was a lot of money going mm-hmm. out. And um, in this growth phase, I'm, I'm try to be very gentle with myself with Orchid and Ash because this iteration of it has only been in existence for a year. And that's very hard to remind myself. But I'm in such an explosive phase right mm-hmm. now where it's like new products and lots of attention from people I never thought the business would get attention from. So it's like amazing, mm-hmm. amazing, amazing. And there's times there's a lot of money and I'm good and I can fund the new products and I can fund. And then there's like, it's, this is very perfect timing. So like this week I had a good amount of like sales on the website, but then like other areas that are usually going and going, going crickets. And it's so funny because I get in this like mental cycle when this happens that even Jordan, my husband is like, honey, it's the ebb and flow of business. Mm. Like you already know something is going to happen next week and you'll be like, I'm amazing. Mm -hmm. But this week you're really in your like feelings about it. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like maybe I should be doing something else. Um, Because getting through those times are hard where it's like, how am I looking at my books making six figures and then there's weeks that I feel like I'm I have nothing mm-hmm. um so I love you said like it's the mindset of expecting it to do that mm-hmm. and I guess you said that and I'm like oh my god this has been a pattern of mine since I was 24 yeah so if you're willing to spill yeah I'd love your um, take on that energy in particular because I know that's not just me. That's a, I mean, that's anybody living paycheck to paycheck even, yeah. right? It's like abundance for a day and then scarcity for a week and a half. Um, yeah, and I don't want to minimize the um, stress and the fear that comes with those situations And the way to transform it is to own our part in it and examine the tough question is, why would you be choosing that? What comes up for me is hearing you talk about your situation and connecting it to the bakery makes me wonder, and if we were coaching, is if you were to make a certain amount, would what happened with the bakery happen again? So there could be some subconscious and unconscious connection to not wanting to reach a certain amount because of fear that there could be a similar result of what happened before. Uh, Nail on the head. There's times where I'm so busy and making so much money that it freaks me out. And it's like automatic self-sabotage, right? Where it's like, I don't know why. It's such a weird thing. It's like, I mean, thousands and thousands, sometimes in a span of like a two days. And, And I'm like, oh my God, panic. Like I can't have this. And not because I can't handle it, but because it's like, Oh, it's it's just gonna go away, right? 
Right. right? Like there's a lot of that. Yeah. Well, so if we were I feel to like work- I'm in a therapy Yeah, session. no, if we were to work together, that's what we would start with. We would start with working through um, those moments and resetting the expectations. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Like you don't – you can be increasing your savings and increasing your income mm-hmm. and increasing your spending. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other where if you're saving, you're, you know, not spending, you can spend, you can have that, you can have more than enough income coming in. So everything keeps going up and up. Um, that is – if we believe that we can lose money, we will. If we don't believe that we can lose money, we won't. That's such an interesting point because it is really hammered into our heads. Like if you want more money, you have to stop spending so much. Right. Money. No. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not a spender. Like I don't just buy things. So I'm like, what is happening here? Um, and I'm like very fluent in fi- like I'm an economics major. I've run businesses. Like I do everything legally. Like I'm very fluent in it. I would know if I'm overspending. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but that's so interesting that you're saying it's like the expectation of it. And um, we do. We really expect like okay, well, if I want to have more in my bank account, then I really need to like deprive. Exactly. Yes. Yes deprive myself of the like basic I'm gonna say basic wants Mm -hmm. like yes needs are always needs need to be met but like we're allowed to want a sweater or like I want a new pair of sunglasses right now that are only $140 but I'm like I can't buy those right I haven't had enough sales this week or whatever um that's a really interesting point we treat ourselves like our our parents did. It's like we're punished mm. for not spending money the way that we quote unquote should. I was even thinking about this recently. Like when you think about tickets, when we're when we like park illegally or whatever, we're punished mm-hmm. by getting our money taken away from us. Like we use money as a punishment for a lot of things, which is really interesting. So there is a lot of guilt huh. and shame that is tied to that as well. Of like we're taught that if we aren't saving, then you know we're putting our we're being irresponsible. Um, and I'm not suggesting that we don't anything. save, but it's just yeah, basically no, totally. one or the other. And you're not going to save yourself into being a millionaire, but you can Mm. earn yourself into becoming a millionaire. And I think women default to the saving to become a millionaire versus the raising their prices, owning their worth version of becoming a millionaire. And so there's no... Basically, the question I would say is, what if no sacrifice was necessary? What if you could have it? What if you could save while spending, while earning, all at the same time? I would cry. It's all possible. That would be amazing. It's all possible. 
That's the goal. I wish I could I wish I could mail you my journal and you could look at it. You'd be like, "Oh my god, this girl." Like it's it's so funny because um in all the ways that somebody has seen as successful, I mean like I am that on paper, right? But it's like I do. I live with this like I feel like it's a daily struggle. Truly. Uh because and 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 a lot of it in my head is like, I'm so grateful that I'm able to fund the growth of this mm-hmm. business because I'm bootstrapping it. I'm not like, um, I don't have like loans and mm-hmm. stuff that way. Um, so it is like a little bit of a different dynamic. And I'm like, okay, I'm always grateful that, you know, I have the money that I need. But it's always back to what you were saying earlier. Like, I'm very lucky. And I it's always like just mm-hmm. enough to pay what mm-hmm. needs to get paid for. And um, yeah, I wish you could see my journal. It's so funny because it's a lot of like what you just said, where it's like I I envision just like this flow, and I feel like that's what you you give people is like a it's like a money river. <laughs> <laughs> that is within you know, yourself. And- I'm simply just mirroring. Yes. It's already within you. It's just we got to unlock that dam that's inside. Let it flow. Let it flow. I love that. Well, I guess I'll probably just be calling you to be my coach. So, (laughs) um, I would love to hear now that everybody knows my deepest, darkest demons. um, And by the way, I'm probably really grateful for you sharing because I imagine many people on this, listening to this feel this way. It is so normal. Yeah. And we're so grateful that you shared this. Yeah. So I am like, I do try to be, um, one of the things that I've really worked on is letting go of the shame around money or when there's a lack of money, like I said, like it oscillates for me. So it's a very odd thing to, um, navigate. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, w- what I'm bringing in monthly is more than I ever brought in when it comes to having a job, but there's also so much more that just has to go out. And, I've just had so many like tear filled conversations with other entrepreneurs, especially. And it's just like, you feel like you're in a forever battle. Like you can never come out on the other side until you're like a, I don't know, fill in the blank of any huge business with millions and CEOs and CFOs and millions of employees, Amazon. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people equate success to. So if you're not at that level, it's so easy to feel like you're failing. Yeah. And by the way, Amazon operated in the red for decades. Um, I think people forget that. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. We are, we are better than Amazon (laughs) because we're not in the red right now. But yes, no, I, I so get uh, that feeling that there's no end to this. Um, I felt that way sitting in my beat up Honda crying on the side of the road. Like I thought I was going to be stuck mm-hmm. there forever. I get it. And I've seen it through my own experience and through the clients that I work with, that there is a path forward. And I truly believe it is the sacred feminine way. It's likely that the processes that um, many of us and the tools that we have been using just have not 
spoken to our souls and our essence and they've been Mm -hmm. really deep and heavy with the masculine. And so when we don't feel or see ourselves in wealth, it is so hard to create that transformation. And so we need to bring our essence into it. And that is where I think true transformation lies. So I really do believe like when we can start to tap into the uniqueness of our sacred feminine and embody that and bring that to light and bring it to light without shame or unworthiness attached to it, we begin to see ourselves in our wealth and in our worth. I mean, you're magnetized to Taylor Swift because there's a part of her that you see yourself in her. And I think that's why she's so popular is we see ourselves in her. There's something that we recognize. And so it's so important for us to begin to see as women ourselves in wealth. And that's what this process really is all about. I love, I love everything you're saying. And, and we, we really have been conditioned, um, you know, in all seriousness that this like heavy masculine workforce Mm -hmm. is the only way to be successful. And I think it's so amazing that you've kind of pinpointed where that's more detrimental than, I mean, it's not good for anybody. It's not even good for the men it working isn't. that way. No. In fact, um, I mean, again, this isn't, although I coach only women, this teaching, and I hope one day, like I have this vision down the road of like teaching alongside a sacred masculine teacher, man, yes. where we can infuse both of these teachings so we can like teach men to the sacred feminine way of building wealth. Absolutely. We all collectively need to hear this. This is not gender specific. I myself coach women just because I feel like women need this help a bit more right now where we are, but I do hope that this will spread to men as well. Yeah. I do love that you said that because I think a lot of people aren't fully aware that there's like masculine and feminine, no matter like what your identifying gender Mm -hmm. is like that energy. It's just like what they call those energies, like in our energetic. It's our limited Um, human way of trying to describe the divine. And we only know it through what we see through our own eyes. And we see men, we see women. And the, the beauty of this world right now is that we're beginning to um, embrace these non-binary genders and terms too, because that really is what the divine God is. It's not female. It's not male. It's not heterosexual. It's not any of these things. It's all of these things. And so um, that's what this really is about is just bringing it all together into one. That's beautiful. Okay. So you just gave a little bit of a sneak of a big dream of yours, but If you had to say what your biggest, boldest dream is for yourself or your business, um, it doesn't have to be business related, but I do believe in the power of putting out into Mm -hmm. the universe the things that we really desire and want, um, no matter how big or how small, Mm -hmm. and just kind of declaring it. And so I would love to know what your 
um, biggest, boldest dream is right yeah, now. Yeah, I would love to see this become a popularized movement. I want all my work not to just be work, but to be a mission. And so I would love to create this into a movement where we can create some pretty radical shifts on our planet because that is what's so necessary right now. Um, so mm-hmm. doing that, I do foresee down the line of me extending this into a bigger platform where I help women um, in you know, with their investing, um, with more sacred and soul centered, um, people on my team, helping them make those decisions through angel investing, through financial decisions, um, helping corporate, uh, female CEOs, really like bigger scale of us really transforming the way that we invest money. We make decisions around money, not just on this individual basis right now, but on a larger scale. Oh, yes. It's going to happen. <laughs> I believe it will. It's going to happen for you. I really think it is. Like, I think your vision is so unique and so needed. Yeah. Um. So I can't imagine that it's not going to continue to just like take on a life of its own. Well, I invite anyone who wants to be a part of it to message me or find me because it's going to take a lot of us. Yes, please. Where can everybody find you if somebody – do you do like consultations or – to see if you're a good fit. Like what is that? I do. Um, Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Jen L Whitaker, J E N L W H I T A K E R. My website is jenwhitaker.com. Um, and there you can message me. Um, I do offer some breakthrough sessions if you want to work together, Um, There are some free resources on my website as well. If you just want to dip your toes in and kind of get a sense of what my work is like, I've got some um, quizzes, meditations. Um, What is coming out soon is a guide to create your own abundance altar. Um, So really fun, juicy things that you can just get a taste for um, before you reach out. Amazing. Okay. I will also be sure to put that in the show notes so um, you can find that there. And anything else that you want to leave us with? Any any words of advice? or I, If I were to leave any advice, I would just say to everybody listening is remember that wealth begins in you. You are the abundance that you seek. So embody her and you will move mountains. I love that. Thank you so much for doing this with me. And I think everybody is going to just love this episode. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you.